0: All right. Thank you, Pastor Marcus, for leading us into a powerful time of prayer. Uh, At this time, I just want to welcome up our. We have a guest speaker here tonight for the joint prayer meeting. Uh, He has been at joint prayer meeting before, and uh, he currently is. I think he's been in Korea more days in the last six months than he has been back home in America. I think that might be not so inaccurate. Yeah, you've you've been been coming out a lot. So uh, this is a man that uh, God stirred a a mighty heart to really uh, minister here uh, in Korean churches, Korean ministries. And so even this past uh, couple of weeks, he's been speaking at uh, different churches and different houses of prayer here in Korea. And so it's with a special privilege uh, that we can welcome him back up here tonight. He's uh, uh, currently residing in IHOP. Uh, kansas city uh, with his uh, beautiful family there and uh, he served on leadership uh, at ihop uh, with global ministries and uh, right now he's been uh, able to really be freed up to speak uh, all over the world and so it's a real, real special privilege uh, always powerful time whenever this man speaks so let's put our hands together for rodney henderson pastor rodney <laughs> Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. It's good being with you. I I feel like that I'm Korean, and uh, and I really feel at home in the midst of the English-speaking Korean churches, and uh, and I just uh, I I love this nation. And uh, I, I really believe that that uh, the English-speaking congregations have a very special assignment in Korea, and that, that you're not here by chance, but you're here on assignment. And uh, and uh, even I've been—I think I've been at least four, maybe five different English-speaking congregations uh, here in in Seoul and in Korea. And uh, I, you're here, it's, it's an assignment from the Lord in this hour that God's placed upon you. And uh, I just, uh, I count it a joy being with you. And, um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm having difficulty speaking because I'm used to a translator. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, I, I'm wanting to put a statement and wait, and, and wait on the translator. So I got to get used to speaking English. Uh, I, I come tonight in a place of, uh, of so being sober minded. And uh, I, 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 today I, I heard a word from the Lord. And uh, it, it was really interesting when the Lord speaks to me. He normally asks questions. And then he follows it with a statement, and uh, and I, you know, we can look at the scripture, and, and it's very similar to how he responded to Peter: "Peter, do you love me? Mm-hmm. Then feed my sheep." And uh, and and that's the way the Lord speaks to me so often, and sometimes it's very uncomfortable when he asks questions. I mean, he already knows the answer. But he's wanting us to make sure that we have a heart check, that we have, that we know the answer. And so this past two weeks or 10 days, I've been speaking really on David and, uh, and, and how David loved the presence of God and, uh, and just how he, he did everything because he just wanted the presence of God. And I've been preaching on the presence of God. Last night I, I was in a, a city. Uh, it was called Wu. Well, it was, <laughs> it, it was Wuju, which is about two hours outside the city. And uh, uh, I preached on the presence of God. And uh, and I, I I actually left. felt I felt really good about it. I mean, I was really pumped when I let, got home about one o'clock in the morning. And uh, and I was really excited. I went to bed. And today I, I got up and uh, I'm staying with Pastor Aaron and Christian. And I, I I walk out into I Park Mall. And and so I, I'm going to get my cup of coffee this morning. And I stepped out and I, I, I was about to get on a, the escalator. And I reached out to get on the escalator and I hear the voice of God. It scared me. <laughs> and And the Lord said... How much of my presence do you want? Do you really want my presence? And then he responded. Be careful how you answer me. And so for the all day today. Every escalator, everything, everywhere I walk. <laughs> how much do you want of me? Do you really want my presence? And I I believe tonight. It's a question not only for me. And I believe it's it's one of those things. We don't need to answer flippantly. Or carelessly. Do we really. Want him. And if he shows up. Are we. Willing to deal with the consequences. And. And. What are we willing to do to get more of his presence? Or are they things in our lives that hinder the presence of God? And, and today, I've been, I've been actually walking by myself throughout the city. I arrived here in, in this area, and I've been walking the streets of Itiwan. I, I, I've been, uh, uh, I, I love just walking. Of course, that my I need to get rid of some of the food, also, and, and so. But I've been walking and just communing with the Lord, and and I say, Lord, do I? What do I need to surrender? What what areas of my life do I do I need to 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 perm- give you permission to enter into? What what's going on, I, Lord? I, you know, and I, I I stop almost. I stop with a with a statement. I do want more of you. It's like, be careful how you answer this. And so as I walk, I say, yes, I I, I surrender, but Lord, what's the consequences of this? How, How much do we really want of God? And I believe we can have as much of God as we really want. And I, 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 tonight, I, even as we, as I open the word of God, I I want us to open it with that in mind. How much are you willing to give him? How much do you really want him? And I, I believe if we really want him, we're willing to get some of the stuff out of the way. If we're willing to get some of our our addictions out of the way if we 're willing to get some of the some of our mindsets out of the way if we 're willing to get some of our, our our anger out of the way and our and our unforgiveness out of the way, I believe that we God will re- release his presence at a new level when David was anointed as king as a sixteen year old young man an interesting verse it says that the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Can you imagine? Can you just? And it says from then on, it was like a rushing. The Spirit was rushing upon him all his days. Come on. I, I, I think I want that. I think that child just got it. <laughs> More, Lord. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Amen. I believe this is a prophetic word that I, I want to give you a, before I even break, get to the scripture. I want to give you a, a, a prophetic word about what I believe the Lord is doing in this hour and an invitation for you and I. I believe the Lord is saying my eyes, his eyes are looking to and fro throughout the entire earth to see who will speak for him, who really will speak for him. He says, and I believe he's saying, I'm looking for purity of heart and profound precision in the hearing. Hearing his voice. He says, I seek those who will rise above the mundane words of self-proclamation. And even that self-proclamation of a prophet. Those words that are sometimes, that's part iron and part clay part spirit and part flesh. For those words do not carry the strength of my anointing, nor do they give true direction and and give life to my people. My voice will be heard in the secret places. As a still, small voice... But it will resound, His voice will resound, it will resonate, and His voice creates. Will you hear when the Lord speaks? Isaiah 6, 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here I am. Here I am. Send me. Turn with me to Malachi 4. That child is real. He's intense, isn't he? Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6. It's the last two verses of the Old Testament. After Malachi spoke this, if we went in in a a way of, of looking what followed... The Bible doesn't speak, there's no more words. It's spoken for over 500 years, four to 500 years. It would just, like it was silent. There was no, no activity of the presence of the Lord. After these two, two verses, it, it was like this was that. And then four or five hundred years later, we see the Gospels. And uh, so, you know, I guess when the Lord ends something, he he he's going to pick it back up down the road. And uh, and so he says here in Malachi four, five, and six. You know, it's really good, fun being able to read the scripture without a translator. And uh, one of the toughest things in in the place of ministry, as far as something being translated, is is you cannot just quickly say a scripture because everybody's looking at their Bible to make sure it's right. And, and so I, I get frustrated with that. So I just try to paraphrase and tell my translator, I'm paraphrasing. It's Rodney's version. Let's go for it. And uh, but I, I, tonight I'm going to really try to lay out some scriptures for you. And uh, and, and as I lay out the scriptures, I, I do it and, and invite you at a later time to go there and, and, and to walk through it yourself, and the, the word of God is powerful, and as we 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 bring it in and allow it to create and touch and and, and jump and and just uh, it, it's alive Malachi four five and six behold, I send you elijah there he is. I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he, Elijah, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. Or at least I come and strike the earth with a curse. I mean, this is, this is the last two verses in the Old Testament. I mean, it's it's really important. I mean, the Lord is saying, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day. I mean, this is the before the second coming of the Lord. Before the great and terrible day. It's great for those who know the Lord, but it's a terrible day to meet Him when you don't know Him. And... But the verse is he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Or at least the Lord will come, not the enemy. And he will strike the land with a curse. Now, we have a future here. The future tense coming of the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord is both symbolic and it's also literal. Now, in its literal sense, it speaks of the coming again of Elijah. The man that never died, who was taken up in a chariot of a whirlwind of fire. Jesus declared that he will come again and restore all things. Elijah will. Now, do you know that the Jewish people in their Passover, in their Passover Seder, they they literally leave a chair open for Elijah in in hope that Elijah will show up for the dinner. And maybe we ought to start leaving a chair open for Elijah. It's it's over here, right? And uh, Jesus declared that He will come and He will restore all things. Now, in a symbolic sense... It speaks of the operation of the Holy Spirit upon believers that impart a mission much like that of Elijah. It carries the same message and it has the same result with the same manifestation that will happen in the days of Elijah. Now, look at Matthew 17, verse 10 and 12. We find here Jesus' disciples are asking him a question. Uh, and they, and they, they're, they're saying... They're trying to understand this verse or or this thing about Elijah. And he says, why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first before the Messiah? Because he's already there, okay? And Jesus re-answers them. He says, yes, indeed, Elijah is coming. Future tense. Let's look at the tenses here, future tense. Elijah is coming and he will restore all things. It's future tense, literal second coming. Are you with me? But I say this, that Elijah has already come. Past tense, symbolic, in the first coming. And they, Israel, did not know him, but did to him whatever they desire. Then the disciples understood that he was talking about John the Baptist. You know, I I can imagine these disciples. They're saying, Jesus, would you make up your mind? Is, Is it either future tense, he's coming, or has he already come? And Jesus says, both. And I, I can imagine they're, they're scratching their head. This doesn't make sense. Either he's coming or he has or what's the deal? And he says, both. Now, in speaking of John the Baptist, the angel Gabriel said that he would go before Jesus at the first coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah. In other words, he would, he would be anointed with power by an operation of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the same mission and the same message that Elijah did. Now, today, in the same way, that John operated in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the people to respond correctly. That was his goal. He wanted the people, when Jesus came the first time, that they they would respond appropriately to Jesus. The Holy Spirit in this hour is raising up anointed vessels, anointed messengers all over the earth. It's not just one. It's not two. All over the earth. He's raising up messengers that have the same mission and the same message as that of Elijah. That's functioning in the same power. Listen, the power, we've seen just a trickle of power in the church. But you're about to see an unleashing of power like Elijah. To prepare. The purpose is not for your own purpose, but to prepare the people for Jesus' second coming. He's raising up these messengers. It's happening in this hour. I believe it's happening in, in this room. And I believe that you have been sent here to this nation, to function in the spirit of Elijah. To prepare the people to go out front, to prepare the people for what Jesus is about to do. Now, we understand that through the prophet Isaiah, that John the Baptist was an initial down payment on what was to come in the future. And you might say it's a partial fulfillment of a larger company of messengers. Isaiah 40, verse 3. You can jot that down. It says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh, all nations, shall see it together. And this is at Jesus' second coming. Now, the second coming, we will see at the point of the arrow for the larger company of forerunners, or those out front, these messengers that I'm talking about, at the very point of the arrow will be two men. They'll stand boldly as a witness before God in Jerusalem, and they're going to be prophesying against the Antichrist kingdom. You know, it is about, Marcus, it is about Israel. No, I'm ki- for real. It's a, it's it's going to happen. It is it's about Israel. I mean, it is about the property, so, this acquisition of property in Israel. And there's going to be an antichrist kingdom that will raise up. There's going to be two witnesses and they'll stand there. Look at look at Revelation 11:3. You got to see this. Just mark it down if you don't have your Bible. Revelation 11:3. And he's talking about these two witnesses. You also, the same thing, you can see this also in Zechariah 4. But in Revelation eleven three, 3, he says, I will give power to my two witnesses. And they will prophesy 1260 days. Can you imagine? I mean, that's really prophesying. I mean, they're standing 1260 days. Clothed in sackcloth. Now, I bet that, I bet those guys really will smell. <laughs> it says, "And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemy. You know, I don't know about you. I don't want to mess with these guys. They have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy just like Elijah, remember? And they have power over the waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues. These are the two forerunners. They're two witnesses. They're at the point of the arrow here at the second coming of the Lord. Now, to properly understand this mission and message of the spirit of Elijah, we need to understand the spiritual conditions of the nation of Israel in the days of Elijah. We need to turn back and look at what was going on in that day. The Bible first records Elijah's ministry in the days of King Ahab. Jezebel and Ahab. 1 Kings 16, 30. The Bible says that, that King Ahab did more evil. And this is one of David's great-great-great-grandsons. Great he says he did more evil in the sight of the Lord more than all the kings that had preceded him. Verse Kings sixteen thirty says he married Jezebel, the, the the daughter of a Sidonian. Now that sounds more like a uh, a Korean subway station, doesn't it? i was <laughs> uh, sitting there reading that thing. This you know we Korea has got some of their names from Israel. Sidonian it has to be a Korean subway, and. Uh, and, uh, but Jezebel, the daughter of a Sidonian, and she, she, led, she led Ahab to serve Baal and to worship Baal. Now, early the, the Lord had warned uh, Solomon to, to stay away from the Sidonians, and He makes an interesting statement. He said, if you intermarry with these, these guys, they will turn the hearts away from... From the God from from the true God, I mean there'll be this same these same words that we're talking about the turning of the hearts like Malachi there's a turning of the hearts away. he says, you should not intermarry with the, them or they'll turn your hearts away in first kings we see Jezebel clearly did this to King Ahab I mean he was a, he, he really was a great commander and had so much potential, but when he married her. His heart was turned away, and, and he went and he set up an altar to Baal. And it says that, they, that Jezebel and King Ahab led the nation to the, to the Antichrist, or, or to, 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 to Baal and to other gods. And it says that he did more to provoke the Lord God than any other king before him. It was a, the word was provoking them, God. It says Jezebel actually massacred the prophets of the Lord. Can you, can you understand? I mean, it was a terrible thing. I mean, it was craziness that was going on in Israel. And it was in, in 1 Kings 18, 19, we, we see this same state of spiritual apostasy, a national idolatry, and they're being led by the king and queen of Israel man it's a terrible thing. Now Elijah's primary mission is he, when he came on the scene, was to turn the people, the, the Lord's people, Israel, back to the Lord. So by being a powerful messenger, they would turn their hearts. I mean, he would speak the word of God, and he would turn the hearts, and he wanted to confront the dead religious systems. Listen, we, we, in this hour. We're, it's not much different than what it was in that hour. I mean, there's dead religious systems and the, the Lord is nowhere to be found. The people of God, the, 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 there's no presence of God in the midst of the people. I mean, in the, in the, in the, in the churches, the, the divorce and, and all other types of sin is, insane, is as rampant as what it is in the world. The church has to stand up. Their hearts have to be turned back to God. But, this, but, but Elijah came in that hour to turn the people's hearts and to call the people back to truth. And you know, that's the, the, the important thing of truth. The Bible, the Word of God is the truth. And we have to turn the people's hearts unto the truth that it actually might be set free. It was in this context that the mission God released upon Elijah, massive amounts of power to confirm the message of turning hearts. You know, that's what God does. He releases power to affirm His Word. You know, you're going to be doing signs and wonders, but it's going to come in a place of affirming the Word of God. You'll speak, you'll, you'll preach, you'll have people's attention, the Word of God will be active, and then you'll, you'll lay hands on the sick and they're healed, affirming the Word of God. You'll open eyes to affirm the Word of God. The people will say, let's pay attention to what's going on, because signs and wonders will come, and it will be at the root of affirming God's Word. Now... Look at First Kings 18, 21. We see Elijah confronting the people of Israel. And he asked them a question. He says, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God... Follow Him. Can you see this in our day and time? I mean, in the the churches, we have so much mixture. Even in our own lives, in your lives, there's so much mixture. We have much mixture in our lives. How long will we falter between two opinions? If God's God, then let's do this thing. Let's get on with this. If He's really God and the God of our lives, Let's get on with this. But if he's not, then we're wasting our time. Then Elijah said, "Let them give us two bulls. We're, we're going to see who's God. We're going to have a showdown here." And, uh, and he said, "You call, talking to the to the uh, to the prophets of Baal. You call upon your God. You call upon Baal, and I'll call upon my God." And whichever God answers he's God. I mean it's a showdown. you know the story, and uh but but don't you love the story yeah. and uh, I, I just I really love it and uh, and, and then he, he says, "You go first, and, and so they try that they, they go through the process and, and and we see in the scriptures where, where, where Elijah gets a little cocky. And uh and, and he, he comes up and he 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 makes some some statements. He says we he may be away. Maybe he's at the restroom. He's asleep. Why, why is he not answering you? Uh, maybe you need to cry a little louder. Wake him up. Uh, you know he, he's provoking them. What's going on? Where's your God? Uh, he doesn't do nothing. And then he after it says after half the day he, he comes in. He says and he it says he drew the people to him. It says he drew him close, and uh, he says, "Hear me, O Lord, that this people might know that you are the Lord God Almighty." And then you've turned. Look we'll at the word, same word that we see in Malachi, that you've turned their hearts back to you again. This is what it's about. It's about turning hearts. I mean, this is the the, the message. This is the ministry that you have: turning hearts. It says, then the fire fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and the waters. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they began declaring that the Lord God is the Lord. I mean, He's the Lord. He's God. And they began declaring as their heart was turned back to God. Oh, this is in this hour. Now, in in Scripture, we see three generations where this anointing of the spirit of Elijah was actually operational. The first one was in the days of Elijah. Elijah. We we also see the same thing in the days of Jesus and John the Baptist, Baptist and his disciples, power, great power. But then in the Scripture, we see a third time. And this third time is before Jesus returns. And there's and the there's same power in that hour, the same signs and wonders that Jesus did will be unleashed before the second coming of the Lord to turn the parts of the people back to God. This is what's going on right now. It's beginning to happen in this hour. We've got a measure of power now. But I I want you to know, you've not seen anything yet. And I believe that's what the Lord was saying to me this morning. I'm stepping on on the escalator. How much do you want? Are you ready for my presence? Are you ready for my power? Are you sure? Be careful how you answer. I believe this is where we're at now in each of each of these generations their purpose was to turn the hearts and uh and we, we can also see in acts two now in acts two we see prophecy visions dreams open heavens Jacob's ladder angels ascending and descending i, I it, this is what you're going to see now they were a twofold, two types of turning. F- first to God, second toward one another. We're talking about correcting of relationships, turning one back to another, uh, forgiving, turning really back to our fathers and our mothers, correcting the issues within Generations. The Lord wants to correct issues with your parents and and, and your children. I mean, there's a two-type turning that's going on unto God and to each other. Remember, Jesus gave two great commandments. Love thy God with all thy heart. That's a turning to God. And then the second one was to love one another. Okay? The second turning to each other. Now, these messengers that I'm talking about are not just preachers and teachers with platform ministries. Th- this is so important that you hear this. But they're, 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 they are preachers and teachers, but they're also artists. They're singers. They're musicians. They're actors. They're writers. They're bloggers. Okay? I mean, they're, they're inter- on the Internet, they're everywhere. They're in the media. They're in the marketplace. They're, they're in one-on-one discipleship. They're in the universities. They're in the church. It's a mess. I mean, it, it, it's all these locations. It's everywhere. It, and whatever you're doing, you're called to be a forerunner, to turn hearts unto the Lord. So often we look and we say, well, we'll let Pastor Christian do this. Okay. No, 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 no. He, he's just the catalyst to get you to do it. Yeah. And, and, and th- this, is, this is, ministers is not the ones just supposed to be doing it. We're, we're supposed to be lighting a fire, encouraging you to step out in faith and, and, and turn hearts. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, it's about you being bold and courageous, walking by faith. It's about you doing the signs and wonders. It's about you praying for the sick wherever you go, whatever you're doing. The subway. I mean, I love the subways here. I mean, on the subways, you can get on the subway and you can pray for people. I, and I've noticed, it's kind of interesting, I've been noticing the people. And uh, I can't speak, so I have to notice something. And, uh, and so, but but, but there, there's always young people walking the subway systems praying. It was, and they're just kind of, I mean, it's happening. Forerunners are rising up everywhere. It really is. Now, I want to tell you my story. And uh, I, uh, several years ago, uh, it's probably 15, 17 years ago, there's a, there's a storm that hit Honduras. And many of you remember the, the, the hurricane that hit Honduras, probably about 1998, something of that na- time frame. And uh, there was this storm that hit the nation. And uh, it was devastated, major devastation that hit, hit it. And uh, I took a team, I, I get, collected money, took a team in to minister. And when I arrived into Honduras, I mean, I was really kind of undone. And uh, when I got there, I, I get off the plane, and, and everything is chaos. Everybody had guns. I'm talking about everybody had guns. And uh, just getting off a plane, coming from America to a third world nation, poorest nation, second poorest nation in the world. And, and when I, I mean, the children had guns. Farmers had guns. The, the, the bakers had guns. Everybody had guns. I didn't have a gun. And I had to tell you, I wanted a gun. And, uh, I mean, I, I was carrying it. I had about $15,000 in cash on me. And uh, I was carrying it in to, to minister. And, and uh, everybody had guns. And uh, I didn't. And I was getting really kind of uneasy. And, uh, and so but my team, I, I remember the, when we first arrived, I, I went to our host home to call Belinda, my wife. And uh, when I, I, I as I was walking down the streets, I was noticing that there were chickens everywhere. I mean, there were chickens in the streets. There were chickens uh, in the courtyards. There were chickens on the roof. There were chickens in the house. I mean, there were chickens everywhere. And, uh, and when I... When I uh, uh, I called Belinda, she said, "Where are you?" I said, "I'm in somebody's house." She said, "Are your chickens?" I said, "Yes, they're everywhere." <laughs> I mean, they're they're everywhere. And uh, that night we 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 ministered on the streets of San Peles, to at a church. That actually uh, the, the people flooded the streets as we were ministering. And we watched as God released signs and wonders. And we were, we were all just stunned ourselves at how God just moved. And so we we went to bed very late, probably about 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I remember uh, laying on a concrete floor. And uh, about, uh, we just turned the lights off. And I started hearing an animal. And, uh, and you could see this animal running across the floor. Uh, and uh, it was through the moonlight, and uh, and as we watched, trying to figure out what this was, and we didn't see no dogs in the house when we went to bed, and what it was, it was it was rats the size of dogs. And, uh, and, and yeah, 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 I tell you the truth, and and uh, and, uh, and I'm laid in a sleeping bag on a concrete floor. I am sitting there. Just shaking, and and uh, honestly, if you want a prayer life, you go to Honduras and lay on the floor with rats. I prayed in the spirit for two hours and finally fell asleep. And then about and then that so that was about three in the morning, and then about six in the morning. I heard this this crazy sound, and I was awakened by the roosters in the city. I mean, one was right outside my window. I mean, it was just like it was. he was basically wake up, wake up, and, and, and I and I'm saying no. And, and 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 but all over the city, these roosters were making this crazy noise, and uh and so I, I wanted to go back to bed, but they wouldn't let me, and uh and and so. The next day, we ministered. We went to bed late. We fought with rats. And uh, and, 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 and then at 6 a.m., the roosters, they began shouting all over the city. And, and I, I honestly had to confess to you, I began getting really angry. And uh, I mean, those chickens were really getting under my skin. And everywhere I went, they they were there. And and and, and when I tried to sleep, they were saying, "Wake up!" And, and I'm saying, "I I don't like them." And, and 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 there was this bubbling up of anger inside of me. Now you know how how roosters sound, right? How, how does it sound? Oh, okay, everybody, stand up. Stand up, Mom, stand up at, at, okay at the at the count of three, I want to hear this side of the room, okay? I want to hear your best rooster crow now i I, I became I became a, a student of roosters because I didn't like them, and uh, but they would take their chest and they'd stick out, they cock their head back like this. And they would start shouting, and I, I had to say, "I will." Count of three. I want to hear your best. Okay, one, two, three. You're good roosters. Let, let's let's see what let's see what this side sounds like. Count of three. One, two, three. You know what I'm talking about. You really are roosters now. Everybody, at the same time. One, two, three. Wow, I like you, man. Go ahead and sit down. Now, so, every day, we would minister. And, and it was really intense ministry. And, uh, but every morning at 6 a.m., we heard... And I I really was getting mad. I mean, every day this anger was rising inside of me. I I was getting worse and worse. And I remember one, it was actually a Thursday evening. I'd been there about five days. And I'm sitting in the courtyard eating dinner before we went to minister. And it's 6 o'clock in the evening. And I watched as this one head rooster... He made all the other roosters and hens get up into this tree, and they all went to sleep. Did you know there were head roosters? There were head roosters in every group. And, and so, so the head rooster made them all go to sleep. and, uh, and I, it just I began burning inside. <laughs> I, I, I said, these they're going to sleep to wake me up tomorrow morning." I was, and uh, and so I, I just honestly, it was just it was coming up. I was, just, oh, I just hated these things, <laughs> and um, and uh, I remember the next the next night we were out ministering late. We literally was battling physically a demon possessed woman in the mountains of, uh, of of Honduras, and we come back down. We arrive at midnight, and uh, I, I think it was a revelation of God, but it was probably just me. Uh, I, 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 I remember David and what he did with the roosters or what he did with the Goliath. And so I found me three rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I found three round rocks. And I began hurling those rocks up in that tree. And I awoke every one of those chickens. I was so proud. But they kept me awake all night. They didn't sleep. I'm, it, it got progression, uh, progression toward my anger where I was just, just steaming. I was ready to kill and cook them. <laughs> and uh, then I, that Sunday evening, we were t- going to travel to San Pedro Sula and minister at, a, at a, rather, a rather large church there on a hillside in, in the city. And so we we, we get in the truck. It, we, the transportation was really poor. And I, I was actually laying in the back of a truck looking up into a beautiful sky, all the stars, and, and you can see the moon. And I'm sitting back there, and I begin worshiping the Lord. And uh, as I worship the Lord, I hear the Lord. It was one of the first times I've ever heard the audible voice of God. When you hear the audible voice of God, you pay attention. And, uh, and he asked me a question. Again, asked him the question. He said, Rodney, you hate my roosters, don't you? And I, I responded, yes, Lord. I said, I hate your roosters. And he said, Rodney, I've called you to be a rooster. I said, no, 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 no. I said, Lord, not a rooster, maybe an eagle, but not a rooster. And he said, no, Rodney, I've called you to be a rooster. And he said, he said, let me explain. And he begins this this process. He He said, the rooster's are prophetic messengers that understand the hour in which they live. The prophetic roosters see the rising of a morning star. Are you with me? You know who the bright and morning star is, right? He said these, these prophetic roosters see the rising of a new day. Uh, the bright and morning star. And they begin shouting, wake up! Wake up, get ready, for the Lord is on His way. A new day is dawning. And I, I begin paying attention. And for the next, probably for the next 30 minutes to 45 minutes, I get this download from God over what took place the previous week. He said, said to me, he said, He said, these roosters, no matter how much you persecuted them, they would not shut up <laughs> and he said he said there's a group of prophetic roosters that I'm raising up, and no matter what how amount of persecution that they come under, they will not shut up, and they will declare the coming of the Lord. get ready, be prepared and, and then he then he makes this statement, yes then he makes then he makes this statement and he says this. He said, he said, remember the head rooster. He said, every group has a head rooster. And he said, they, we need the head roosters, Christian and Aaron. We, we need the head roosters. It's out front that, that gets everybody in a situation where they can wake people up. And, uh, and, and he began showing me line upon line uh, concerning all these different areas, how they were disciplined people. They would go to sleep. They would, these roosters, they were disciplined in order to go to bed at 6 a.m., 6 p.m. to wake me up at 6 a.m. And, uh, and, uh. And uh, he began to show me how he was going to release these roosters in such an hour to awaken the church into the place of revival, turning hearts and preparing the people. And he, he, I, I don't have time to tell you the rest of these things, but it was, it was totally uh, uh, crazy. I went in that night. That night I, I wasn't sure whether I was preaching or whether my other friend that was traveling with was preaching. We were just had it wide open. I said, I got the word. I preached on these prophetic roosters. And I watched that night in San Pedro Sula in the midst of a tragic setting. I watched as about 400 responded to become forerunners and prophetic roosters in that hour. And they it was the power of God was unleashed and they were marked that night. I was marked that night. And that's my call in my life. I, I, every time I, I look at what am I, what am I to do, I'm pointed back to that particular night, that particular week. And uh, it was interesting. A few weeks ago, you not know, weeks ago, probably, actually, it's probably the last time I was here, just a few months ago. And I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, what, what do you want me to do in the future? What, what's going on? What's the, and, and he, he, he says to me, he said, Rodney, what is your name? I said, Rodney. <laughs> and he said, he said, no, 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 what is your name? And I said, Henderson. Son of a hen. <laughs> <laughs> Kid you not. I said, okay, I got the answer. I'm a prophetic rooster. And I'm called to awaken the bride and to turn her heart unto the Lord. I believe in here tonight that there's a whole lot of prophetic roosters. A whole lot of people that are called as messengers in this hour to prepare the church for what's about to take place. To have answers when the great shakings take place around the earth, and they're going to happen. We just got a taste of what took place in Japan and many places of America. There's going to be great shakings that will take place, and you need the answer to help point people to Jesus. This is the hour. And it's on you. God is calling you. I believe that tonight, the Lord wants to mark hearts in such a way where you'll remember this night. And your heart is marked. Your heart is marked. And you're you're marked. And you know who you are, what you've been called to do all your days. I believe you've been, tonight is your night of marking by the Spirit. The question is, do you want more of Him? Yes! The question is, will I step out and be what God's called me? Will I be a forerunner in this hour? I believe God is marking hearts. Now, if this is you, I want you to just stand up. We want to ask God to mark your heart like never before that the Lord will touch you. In a powerful way. John, can you come back up and worship? I just want to invite you to stand up. If this is you, just stand up. Thank you, Lord.